guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Got a fun episode for you guys today. We have Daryl Harrison from ChargePoint that's right. on the podcast. And he, so with all this stuff that's going on, and uh, I just found out uh, on in the news last night that Japan is now doing the same thing, you know, the UK and everybody else. I think they're, So they're putting a limit they're on putting internal a limit. combustion it's, engine cars. Yeah, it's 2035. So with all of this happening, I'm in, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the the logistics of this stuff right now. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I, I, I need a smart guy. I need a smart guy that deals with this Darryl all the time. Daryl turns out is a smart guy. Daryl's a smart guy. Um, he was uh, previously with Volkswagen and Nissan working on their- All of their electric all stuff. All their electric stuff. He, I know he mentioned he had big uh, involvement in the Leaf, yep. Nissan Leaf. And the- uh, the ID3, right? No, no, no. The Golf. Uh, oh, the, the e-golf. e-Golf. The E-Golf. Yeah, the E-Golf. So he uh, he's the senior director and communications leader at ChargePoint, which is a company that has charging stations for personal use and commercial yeah. use. So they all over the do United all States. of Huge the company. infrastructure for charging. Exactly, they're one of the big names in that. They also have like besides just the hardware you think of when you think of a charging station, a lot of what they do is software. As right, far they as have apps on your phone, everything. so you can see, you know, consumption, cost, all this different stuff. Right. So, um, definitely a huge player in this world. So, I wanted to get an expert on to talk about this, like where we're going, what's up with the infrastructure, how is this going to be possible, and uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, also, be- but before we get into too much else, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor. Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service. I need to figure out a new way to say that because subscription service is a tongue twister, (laughs) but it's an awesome service you get every single month that you subscribe to, and it's just for car guys. Each month, they select items like tools, detailing supplies, apparel. I just got a t-shirt this last month that I really like. I was wearing it yesterday, not today. Oh, he's wearing his today. That's really funny. Uh, Honestly, Jesse steals all the shirts out of the boxes. Really? Wears them first. Yeah, she takes everything out of that. (laughs) She opens that thing immediately when she gets home. It's really cool. It's like Christmas morning every month because you get to open it. You don't know what it is. You want to hear a funny story? What? So I, I was, I. It's been a little uh, lean this year. Yes, to say the least. Yes. So I told the the kids were like, oh, Christmas presents. I'm it's going to be a little smaller Christmas this year. Yeah. The coronavirus, Santa, you just can't maybe won't come. I don't really know. I'm not sure what's going on in, in the North Pole. I really don't know. And my littlest kid, uh, Veronica, looks up to me and goes, Dad, we'll just put the Christmas tree outside. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, because so Cause Santa doesn't have to come doesn't in have to come and into spread the house. germs. Yeah, exactly. That She's smart. She's a swift cookie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, she remembers last year that Santa said we need to put out more cookies. So should we? I'm... I don't know. You <laughs> left a note. This oh, I'm more sure. Cookies and yeah, more yeah. milk and some carrots for the reindeer. Right. Yeah, they, naturally. I think they the ate most of the cookies that they were going to give Santa. Oh, the, so the reindeer a, did. No, no, the girls kids. did. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to have, uh, I might have to put a Christmas tree outside. That's really Which funny. Is great. So That's I'm going to actually physically put the Christmas tree outside this year. That's Thanks to really Jess for funny. coming up with that horrible idea. Oh, my God. That's work. hilarious. Yeah. All right. Let me finish my Petra box. Yeah, and then I want to tell you about my Santa um, memory. Okay. That I haven't told you before. Anyways, Petra box, you get all this awesome stuff every month. Every month, it's different. It's kind of the newest, latest, and greatest in the industry. What I like about it, you always, like last few, we've gotten magazines in there. Yeah. And they're magazines that I had a really fun time flipping through because it's not normally what I seek out and read. Yeah, nobody seeks out and reads magazines anymore. That's the problem. <laughs> True. But if I was, you know, I'd get some like Porsche magazine or something. And yeah, this yeah, was yeah. like, it was a lot of drift culture and everything else. Yeah, and I was like, good. that's really cool to see different sides. Yeah, being exposed so it's, to new stuff. It's is awesome stuff. Head over to petrolbox.com slash 
well, not slash, but you use the code Overcrest, yes. Chris. And that gets you $6 off your first month. There's, of course, two different levels. You got 20 bucks a month for the Petrobox Basic, and the Petrobox Premium is $39.95. This is a killer Christmas gift. It is actually yeah. a really this cool is a Christmas, Christmas gift. gift for sure. And it lasts Absolutely. all year. And they'll think, how awesome is this person that gave me this Petrobox for the next year? I mean, because that is what's nice about any of those subscription services. Yeah. You're is constantly being, you're, whoever you buy it for is constantly reminded how awesome you are. Exactly. Every <laughs> All right. So do you think um, one of the problems I have with this EV thing yeah. is uh, I, I was kind of thinking about our interview with Daryl when I was prepping for it. I mean, I'm like, this guy is definitely not on my side. <laughs> and then I go, it really is a bummer that there's sides to this. It feels I, bad because I feel like you are the type of person, though, that sees sides. I feel like you I polarize everything. You, exactly. Yes. yes, that's the perfect word for yeah, it. Yeah, that's because other people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if they're wrong, I wonder why you're yeah, so polarizing. Yeah. So my goal is to <laughs> is to convince them to come to my side. And yes. I'm thinking we have to find a way as enthusiasts to make all this work or right. we have to work together to try and figure out a way to make all this happen. And I still have these fears that it's not going to. I have these fears that things are going to slowly dwindle away, which Honestly, they they will. Well, yeah. yeah. Over time. Like we talk about that's progress. That's right? progress. It's inevitable. Um, Your big concern and mine as well is that you won't be able to drive what you want and you won't be able to drive where you want as it's, long it's as it doesn't that. come to that. Yes, it is. It's a little bit of that, but it's also the fact that you have um, the, I love participating in enthusiast culture. Yeah. I love going to, you know, going for drives with people, going to car shows, planning events for people, doing this podcast, all these different things that um, for the last 15 years, 20 years, I've dedicated my life to doing and being a part of cars, all of this stuff. This is who I am. Right. So it is my identity. I see. So, I, so when this stuff kind of like starts to slip away or I don't know, or it gets foggy, I don't know where things you are going. You take it personally. I take it definitely, 100%. And I think that's okay. So I, from, from yeah. that perspective, that's my side, right? It's because this is my, it's my life. It's what I've chosen for myself. So when it's under assault, I have to go, oh my God, no. So what I'm trying to do <laughs> is I want to talk to Daryl and get some, get some feedback, some unbiased feedback. All the questions I asked were, I wasn't like, so why are you ruining everything? Why are you right. taking this away from me? Because that's not, not. what it is. They're, people aren't trying to ruin your life. They're not trying to take anything away from me. Yeah. This is just the natural progression of, of society. It's always been that way, especially right. over the last, you know, since the Industrial Revolution. It's just, this is what happens. Just like the episode we did on screws. The guy that had the other screw, <laughs> it was the best screw ever. And then some guy came and screwed him over and made a new screw. And now we have all these screws. And then we only had one screw. So now we have one screw. All right. Anyway, that made no sense. <laughs> no, I like that. Whatsoever. That was Well, I, I didn't finish up my... Oh, Santa yeah, sorry. story. Yes. I don't know if that's worth yeah, going back to. Yeah, let's hear I want to hear the Santa so, story. So the year I remember figuring out Santa. Oh, no. Yes. How old were you? Were you like 14? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. I was probably seven or so. Yeah. And Did you apply to be one of his elves? No. Oh, come I on. I you did. You still could. See, it would fit, right? Yeah, you'd fit I right in. I just need to wear yeah. some green and the little bells on my... You're already, you're already all set with the stupid shoes, so you're good to go. <laughs> I just need bells on them. And yes. I do move my feet a lot, yes, as you it do. turns as out. We, as we as will we find out later too. in this episode. Um, but no, I remember this year, my dad went all out. And so he 
drove the snowmobile around and then erased the center track mark. So all there was oh, were ski goodness. marks. Yeah. And then he had a stool that he went in front of it. So it looked like little hoof prints around yeah. the yard wow. and then walked up the back um, steps onto the deck because that's how Santa got into yeah. our house. We didn't have a chimney. We didn't have a chimney. So they always left the door open for him. Yeah. And I remember like, this is so cool. We've never seen this before. And I remember looking at the, the, foot, the boot footprint and the tread on the boot. And I went downstairs and I picked up my dad's boot and it was the same tread pattern. Oh, and I was like, no! Did you tell him? I don't think I did. No? I does, had to let the shred go. Does he know to this day? I think I told him okay, once okay. years ago. Well, he's going to find out when he listens to the podcast oh, for sure. No, I was like, <laughs> Merry, damn it. There went my Merry innocence. Cr Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. All that work. <laughs> all right. Let's get into our interview with uh, Mr. Daryl Harrison. I'm really excited to share it with you guys. We hope you enjoy it. Daryl Harrison Jr. from ChargePoint. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. First of all, what is ChargePoint? For anybody that doesn't know, a lot of the listeners probably don't. Yeah, sure. So, so ChargePoint is one of the world's largest EV charging networks. Um, we are a company that's been around for about 13 years, um, and we've effectively developed a portfolio of charging solutions. And I know that sounds like marketing speak, but let me explain a little bit more what that means. Okay. So we've developed um, a cloud subscription platform, um, as well as a wide range of software um, and hardware that is defined by that software to effectively enable charging in a wide range of scenarios. So from home charging to multifamily, workplace, uh, parking, hospitality, retail, as well as a number of different fleet applications. And so really our, our commitment from the very beginning has been to develop the tools and the resources needed to create a fueling network that will ultimately enable the movement of all people and goods on electricity. So basically what you're doing is you're trying to create the environment in which a guy that doesn't know anything about EVs can easily make the transition down the road from his wherever he's driving now to and be comfortable and have a network and a foundation to drive his new electric car that he just bought. Yes, exactly. And, and actually, I'll take it a step further. So so we're a technology company. And so if you are a, let's say you are a business and um, your business, uh, part of your business model is, isn't mobility, uh, but you have, you know, retail customers that park in a parking lot and so, or so on. Uh, we actually create a, a mechanism and a platform from which you can deploy charging and have it integrate into your loyalty programs, into your billing, into whatever it is that makes the most sense in a way that's turnkey so that you don't have to worry about it. Because So if I have a Starbucks gold card, I can charge at the, that exists, right? A Starbucks gold card is not a thing? I have no I, idea. I, th I, think it's, I think it's a thing. I don't <laughs> He's know. looking at me as, <laughs> if, as if I'm the stereotypical Starbucks guy. You are the stereotypical stereotypical Starbucks guy. That's you. You are you. And I, what, what you're saying is if, like, if I have that rewards program, I'll be able to use the charging station when I go there right. or go to the mall or whatever gotcha. the case may be. Okay. That's so, right. And then, well, well then, then actually, let me add one more point. And that sure. is if you, let's say, let's say uh, mobility is actually part of your model. So let's say you are a transit agency or a delivery fleet. Uh, then we actually also develop solutions for those folks so that you can actually manage it. And we give you the tools to be able to manage that charging as part of your fleet deployment. Gotcha. And then of course, for passenger vehicles, so uh, drivers like 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 you and I, um, we actually develop solutions to help you charge at home. We give you, there's a mobile app that actually is kind of your, the center of your electric vehicle life that helps you track 
cost and energy dispensed and you know integrate with utility programs and so on um, we also develop integrations that are in vehicles so we just announced uh, the other day that we are now integrated into apple carplay and um, so if you have carplay in your car and you have a charge point app you'd be able to actually do everything you do in the app in the in vehicle like find um, a station experience. monitor your usage your cost start your average your, whatever yep start your start a session and so on so, so does right. charge point actually provide the physical charging equipment as well that's right yeah so we develop so we we stand up the network um we have the cloud subscription platform that a business would subscribe to um but we also develop hardware that that fits that in kind of entire ecosystem gotcha so does your is your stuff fairly universal? Like if I was going to buy a charge point charger for my house, that's like a hundred amp charger or whatever it is that will work with a Nissan Leaf or a Chevy Volt or a Tesla or an that's ID3 right. or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, so if you look at at charging standards in general, so plug standards really, um, today any car that's sold, with the exception of a Tesla. Um, comes with a J1772 plug, right? And that is the level two plug. That's where most people charge. So if you bought that home charger, you absolutely would be able to charge any of those cars without a, the need of an So adapter. what you're saying is Tesla is the Thunderbolt cable of, <laughs> of the electric car. <laughs> now, now as, a, as a Tesla owner, you actually uh, are, you have, your car comes with a, a J1772 adapter. So, so why not just put the J17 thing on the car? I don't understand. That's, I mean, yeah. that's that's a whole tangent. I'm sure that's that's, that could go. that's a whole other right. So, <laughs> right, right. so, uh, so for for level two charging, that's how it works. But for fast charging, that's where you have multiple standards. So there's the Chatmo standard, which was on is on the Nissan Leaf um, and some of the other um, Asian makes. So like the Mitsubishi uses it, um, and then there is the combo connector, which is where most of the Europeans and the domestic automakers, with the exception of a few Asian makes, use for fast charging. Um, so that's where it gets. Uh, a little bit more complicated. But that being said, as a charging company, uh, you know, when we deploy fast charging, we usually deploy a station that has both. So it's not, it, it doesn't matter for us because there's not a technological um, barrier for adding one over the other. It's what literally does, just the physical plug is different. Is that what you're telling me? That's right. The technology behind it is, and that would be another tangent, but, but I think from our per perspective, we can add, you know, on our fast charge dispenser up to three different plugs. It seems so, like a much more, uh, it's like when they were, you had Blu-ray and DVD or you had beta tapes and VHS right. or back in the right. day, you had all of these different um, internet service providers. You had like uh, AOL and CompuServe and right. all these different people basically building their platforms off the same technology, just trying to figure out and fight their way to the top of whichever one was going to be at the top. That's of the right. At the end. Right. And it's, and it's, you know what? And it's kind of like, like gas and, and diesel. Right. I mean, there's you go to a gas station and there's a diesel pump. Well, depending on where you live, there's a diesel pump and there's a, a gas pump right next to it. And so it's it, it's it's very similar to that. That's and a so good analogy. You, when are we yeah. going to have all the same plugs on all the cars? Because imagine if I you went to the gas ask, station yeah. and you opened up the open up the thing and the hole was square. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, or it was round and you went to the pump and the pump had a square thing. You're like, well, shit, I guess I'm just stuck here forever. Or you had to go inside and buy like a thing and go fill your car yeah. up because the, the <laughs> nozzle was square and you had the round peg and the square peg in the round hole. I mean, where where are we going to be? How long is this going to be till everybody just was, OK, we're all going to use the same plugs? Yeah, it's a good question. So J1772 as a level two uh, standard is is the standard so okay. uh, any mass market ev out there um and again level two charging is where most of the charging happens anyway 
Um, it's can pretty you, standard. Not to interrupt. Yeah. Can you define that level sure. for us? Because Chris and I, yeah. when it comes to the EVs, we are we are less than novice. We don't know any of this. Hey, speak for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about this, Chris? What is level two? I have no. It's, <laughs> so level two is just above level one. Oh, okay. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So, how about you? so so level two charging. Uh, I'm going to define it very generally, but level two charging is AC charging. It's kind of like so. When you plug into a wall, that's AC charging, right? Okay, and obviously sure. that's, so <clears throat> level two is kind of, um, it's akin to um, having a 240 volt plug for a, an appliance, right? So it provides more power, but it's it's using the same infrastructure if it, as it were to be able to charge a car. So right. it's slower charging than fast charging. But the thing about level two is that you usually can add anywhere between on average 25 to you know, just under 40 miles of range per hour. And so <clears throat> the reason I keep saying that that's where most of the fueling happens is if you look at the way that people fuel EVs, it's very different than gas. And so they usually charge where they are anyway. And they usually don't wait for the light to come on to say that you need to fill up. They instead pop up. So uh, if you have a garage and you park at home and you park your car in your garage, you plug your car in and you go out about your evening the way that you would normally. Right. And so that slower uh, charging time is actually fine because you don't even think about it. It's do, not you an have, issue. do you think people are going to have the habit of still going to the fast charging stations? Do you think it will take a, a certain amount of time to break them of that habit of, oh, I need yep. to get gas. So then they're they're at like a quarter of a battery or whatever you call it. What do you call it? <laughs> yeah, I say I have a, a quarter, of a, a quarter a of a charge. OK, so you got a quarter of a charge left. And you got to yeah. go to the, is it going to be like this hurdle that we have to get over for people where they, they start getting into the routine of plugging the car in at home? It's, it's a really good, it's a really good question, but honestly, I, so I think there's a couple of things, right? I think there's a lot of education that needs to take place, um, <clears throat> which, you know, any sort of change in technology is going to require that. But, but generally speaking, at least based on what we see at charge point, we actually see that people tend to fall into that habit. Right. If you know that you can plug in at your house and you park in the garage anyway, then you, and you start doing that, then it becomes it becomes a habit that just becomes routine very quickly. It's kind of like charging your cell phone. Right. When you get home and you're sleeping or you're doing whatever, you usually put your phone down, you plug it in and it charges and you don't really know how long it takes to fill up. You just know that it's charging. Right. You don't go to and the so, airport to find the mobile charging station to charge up your phone <laughs> before right. you get home. <laughs> usually, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes but, sense. But but it's but it's the, the the it's the general idea. I mean, I think personally speaking, I'll tell you, um, it was it, it took a little bit of time, but it but it, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that that long at all. And you know, I because now I just I pull into the garage, I plug the car in, and I go in the house, and I don't even think about how much charge I have. So even if I'm topped up, I still plug it in. Um, and and going about my my business um so so that's that's really you know it's something that that we see comes around pretty easily now <clears throat> when you travel longer distance in an electric that's probably where the the fueling behavior is similar but different in a lot of ways and what i mean by that is you know i i've had my model three for about a year and we've taken probably about 10 trips more than 400 miles and the first few trips you know, you have to change your thinking quite a bit or not a quite a bit, but a little bit to be able to adjust to, you know, planning your trip differently. Right. Um, you know, it's it's not a situation where it's like, I'm just going to drive and pull off to find a station. It's like, OK, well, I look at my phone or in my dash for a station anyway. I'll just navigate to that. 
I'll top up. We'll, we will just time lunch and bathroom breaks with that stop. And, you know, 20 minutes or so later, I am, I am topped up enough to finish my route, my route and we go on our, along our way. So right, and that, that technology is advancing faster and faster at some point. That's not even absolutely really matter anymore. So the That's range right. over the last few years has gone up uh, way faster than I thought it would. You know, we had yeah. kind of like five years ago, three years ago, even when we started this podcast, I was like, wow, these things go 100 miles. That's never going to work. Like the e-golf <laughs> came out. and it made, I, I would legitimately right now buy an e-golf if it got 150 or 175 miles yeah. instead of 100. I you would, test drove one, I think, right? I did. I, I wanted to buy one, but it just wasn't wasn't uh, didn't have enough range. But the range has been going up exponentially over the last three years. Yeah. Um, I think the e-golf is probably just like a experiment with Volkswagen or something. Right. And we're approaching what is... Uh, likely going to at a point where it's going to start to exceed what gasoline cars are capable of mm -hmm. at least that because most cars what 300 miles Something right i mean that. 300 miles 250 375 miles or my 911 with a two with a 20 gallon tank 100 miles <laughs> because the fuel economy is, is, is so bad is there a peak range where we're going to see okay yep. four or five hundred miles that's it you know we don't need to go any we further either we don't right? need to or that's just all the battery technology is going to allow us to be able to do yeah I actually think I actually think we're close to that point now. So if you look at the EVs that are on the road, and um, you know I'm I'm going to Tesla first, understanding that's a premium brand. But if you look at Model S, it's you know ranges more than 400 miles. Model X is 370 miles. Uh, my Model Three, uh, I have the performance, and it's about 310 miles um, or 300 miles roughly. But the long range version goes more than 350 miles. Um, you know, the, the Mustang Mach-E, at least on the higher end, they're estimated about 300 miles. The Bolt is about 260. And so when you think about it from that perspective, you know, that technology is advancing so quickly, we're, we're almost there already. And I think what it comes down to for a lot of drivers is it's about comfort level, right? To your point, when you walked into a dealership and an EV had 100 miles or 120 miles, um, you were like, well, I don't know. That's not that. That's not that many miles. Once you get past 200, probably even more so 250 and beyond, then people start to become comfortable and realize, okay, well, this is enough range for me to do 99.9% .9 of the things that I need to do when I want to do them. Right. Um, and you know, for the 2% of the time that I'd take long distance trip, you know, having that much range is, is good enough for me able to get where I need to go. And you have the and manufacturers so, are probably going, well, consumers only desire, this is what they're used to. Why are we going to pack more into that and add additional cost to the car? Right. It's not even necessary in the first place. It's not even necessary. That's right. And I think a lot of, you know, I think when you, the early EVs, a lot of folks that consider them, and I remember when I worked at Nissan and we were doing EV prototypes and then I worked at Coda and, and VW, you know, the evolution even back then was very stark, right? So the first drivers that were considering Leaf before it went on sale were the early adopters, right? They liked tech or they liked to save the environment or there was a very specific reason why an EV was the reason why they were driving a Leaf or wanted to drive a Leaf and so on. Um, by the time eGolf happened in 2014, uh, you you saw the change, right? People were starting to say, well, it's practical. I don't want to spend money on gas. Or, you know, I don't drive that much. Why do I need, you know, uh, another type of golf that emits this and makes me go to a gas station when I can just plug it in at home and be good, right? Um, but what you're finding today is that people are actually considering EVs as part of their, quote, normal consideration set, right? Yeah, so, you're moving beyond the people that are buying it for ideological reasons or statement purposes, and they're just right. buying it because it is the 
it is the best choice for them when they look at when they look That's at the right. sheet and they look at, well, I can drive this many miles, it's gonna save me this much money. I'm gonna buy one of those. It's not I'm buying one of those because I want to put a bumper sticker on exactly. this green piece. You know, it's just a different <laughs> Exactly. We're finally making right. that transition right. out of the gray area. Well, and, and not only that, but it also comes down to if if the car has, you know, two hundred and fifty or more, I'm just throwing a number out there, but they have more than two hundred and fifty miles people stop thinking about the speeds and feeds, right? Like, oh, this is the range and I'm going to use, I'm going to make that a, an important part of my consideration list and instead look at the other things. Oh, I like minivans or I need this much cargo space. And so does on. anyone say that ever? I like minivans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have a friend who loves his minivan, which is really surprising um, because he came out of actually a Porsche, but um that's that's a one that's another about, tangent that one thing about on. the range right the range is <laughs> when i see a car that has 250 miles of range that's 250 yeah. miles of range in california if you bring that car up to minnesota that thing doesn't yeah. have 250 miles in range in january and i think that's one thing that people don't i have always, wondered that yeah i mean i think you, what do you lose like 20 percent, 25 percent of your it's just like your like your phone or your you're like talking my, just based mm -hmm, on temperature just based on temperature only you know it's yeah it's it's a huge yeah. hit yeah, and that and a lot of that varies too uh, on the car, right? It depends on what kind of thermal management um, the battery has, uh, if it has it at all. Uh, it depends on how flexible you can be with um, the climate controls and whatnot. Sure. Um, in yeah, the car. if you want to wear mittens yeah. and wool socks or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, no, no. But what I what I mean is like, for example, um, on a lot of uh, EVs that are out there today, you can do things like preheat cabins, which actually helps to warm up the battery before you start driving it. Uh, you can schedule uh, climate control in a certain way so that you know that you're 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 not going to start your car with a you know ice cold battery. And in some cars, there's automatic climate control, so it won't dip below a certain temperature. And won't so like increase. a block heater on a TDI. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, you put right? a little timer yeah, on exactly. your block yeah. heater for the TDI so yeah. it's warm when you go out there and start it up. Otherwise, it never warms <laughs> up and gets terrible fuel economy. This is true. This is true things. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the things are happening really fast. So a lot of the questions yeah. I have are going to be kind of about um, where, where things are going. And the first yeah. question I have is that I look at lithium supplies and I kind mm -hmm. of started uh, looking at this and monitoring this when I was like, okay, well, if lithium is going to be going crazy, if everything's moving this, should I be looking at lithium futures? And I started looking at like <laughs> buying stock yeah. and like lithium companies and stuff like that, which yeah. led me to go, wow, there's really not that many of these companies out there and there's not that much yeah. lithium out there. And uh, this is from a from a Forbes article. Experts say current supplies of lithium are adequate for the current electric car global market share of about 2.6%, mm -hmm. and will probably keep pace with the expected growth towards 14% by 2025. But after that, the demand will outstrip supply and likely halt the predicted powerful acceleration in electric car sales. This seems daunting if we're thinking of halting combustion engine sales by 2030, which we know that you know, England just moved it up to 2040 to 2030. And it just, everything's got batteries, right? My phone, my camera, my That's right. iPad. It's just everything. Everything is batteries. Nobody wants any cords. Jake's dorky ear pods that he wears have batteries <laughs> in them, right? So everything's got a battery. How are we going to make this transition for, I mean, we have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of cars mm -hmm. that by probably... In, in this is kind of opinion and conjecture from me at this point, yeah. but I think once we reach once we reach the point where they're saying, okay, 2030, we're not selling these combustion engine cars anymore. We're just not doing it. We might be doing some hybrids. Those are still going to have batteries, so it doesn't really matter for this point. Is I think that you're going to start to see government regulations start to go, okay, 
we've <laughs> we've got you right we've 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 got we've got our foot in the door <laughs> with this regulation the stuff that we want to do and they're well meaning i understand that i'm not trying to be super political on this but i think you're going to start to see the squeeze on gasoline engines so i really think it's going to start to accelerate really fast once we get to 2030, because I think they're going to go, okay, we really don't want you driving these cars anymore. These electric cars are available. They're not as expensive <coughs> as they used to be. There's really no reason for you to be driving those. So we're going to raise the gas taxes. We're going to have areas where you can't drive them. We're going to have clean zones. Europe, Europe already does some of this. And I think that things are going to really shoot ahead once we get to like 2030, 2035. And this is saying we don't have the lithium for it. So how are we going to get, how are we going to bridge that gap to even make any of this possible in the first place? Yeah, so that's that. It's a it's a good question. I actually, I'm going to start by saying I'm not an expert in this, but uh, my understanding is that the issue isn't as much available lith. Or I'm sorry, it it isn't as much um, the amount of lithium. It's it's instead the ability to mine it. And one of the things that that we should keep in mind is that back in you know the late 60s, early 70s. We all remember the gas, the massive gas shortage and whatnot, and there was, you know, speculation that there wasn't enough gas to support this increase in in new models. But the market found a way to mine and, you know, refine mining process and actually generate more demand, more volume for gas. And so I anticipate that, you know, again, not being an expert, that there is plenty of lithium to go around, but it's a matter of refining processes to understand or to ensure that it is um, that it can be mined. And so my understanding is that, you know, today lithium is oversupplied. You kind of alluded to this, um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of experts out there that aren't as um, concerned about what you just mentioned. Right. Pessimistic. You know, He's pessimistic. You I, can say I am it. a little right. pessimistic. <laughs> I, it seems yeah, like we're going. Well, we'll just have the engineers and scientists figure this out. We've got to trust them to figure it out. Like the answer's not quite there yet is what you're saying, but we'll figure it out. Is that kind of what I'm gathering? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, this is me not, right. not yeah, this is, in the weeds on this, but yeah. but my but but again, I know that there are moves happening today where companies are looking for ways to um, create or enhance uh, mining process, sourcing. Um, to improve supply. And, you know, actually it was interesting because about, a, I guess it was a month ago, a couple months ago, there was actually a, um, a story about this in MarketWatch. And one of the analysts, and I'm forgetting the person's name or where they're from, but uh, one of the analysts basically uh, made the point that if these, these new technologies that are, that have been floated come to bear and they actually are starting to able to, to start mining in places where they don't mine today, then what you'll have is you may actually have more lithium than than there is demand for. Hmm. So I, I feel like I feel like there's still a lot of gray. Um, and at this point, looking at market futures, it doesn't seem like there is a there is a wide range of worry about uh, whether or not uh, this demand will be able to be met by lithium supply. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to see. Yeah. yeah. So that, that begs a question from me, if I can. What, you know, I remember reading something about different ways to actually manufacture these batteries. Is the lithium content always going to be the main, I, I guess, component or limiting factor in battery manufacturing? It, it is, that's another great question because we, we, we're seeing how fast this technology is evolving. Um, and we have, we have heard from a number of different, you know, uh, companies that have, you know, explored things like solid state and and other types of batteries. So 
there there definitely could be a breakthrough technology in the next several years. I know that there's a lot of people working on battery tech. Yeah, there's like um, solid state batteries coming out and there's there's other there's, things, but it's all really expensive right now. That's right. So 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 it, I mean there's uh, all I know is that there are a number of people that are looking at this and I wouldn't be surprised if we see enhancements across a number of different areas of the market that will address this whether it be um, increasing the amount of available lithium or some other technology that actually reduces the need for it. But we'll see. We'll see. So right now it's fairly inexpensive to charge your car. If you take your Model 3 to a charge point station and you charge it all the way up, what does that cost? So that's a, that's a good question, but it depends, right? Okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to kind of walk around the, the answer. It's, it's kind of hard because in a liquid fueling world, um, you can go online and you can say, oh, here is the general cost per gallon, right? Right. Um, well, I can, I'm, but, I can just say I can go to the gas station and fill my car. It's about 25 to $35. Like I can just right. say that it's, it's about that much. I'm just, I'm looking for like that's a general, right. you know, like what's, right. a, what's it cost to charge however many kilowatt hours a Model 3 is? That's right. So the reason why I'm going to give you the long answer for this is okay. because uh, it depends on the application. So one of the things I mentioned earlier was um, our platform. And so ChargePoint is an example where um, the site host or the station owner actually is empowered to set the price. Uh -huh. And so what that what that means is, depending on your type of business, usually dictates if you charge at all, how much you charge and so on. Mm -hmm. So Well, just like a gas station <clears throat> would generally. It's gonna well, no, but he's saying, let's say well, there is a charging station in front of Starbucks and Starbucks is going to say, well, to help bring people in, we're not even going to charge for people to, right. to, That's right. to charge. Well, what's, That's right. What's so, kind of the, the overall, you know, if it, it, it just varies too much to even say is, is kind of what you're saying. Well, well, it does because, you know, uh, you know, effectively, a charging station can be anywhere where there's a parking spot and electricity. We know that electricity is ubiquitous in this country for the most part. So if uh, going back to except for Tuesdays uh, and Thursdays in California, that, <laughs> that, that's right. But if you going back to the retailer example, or let's say a Starbucks, let's say you know that let's say you, let's use Target as an example. So Target's one of our customers. Okay. Um, let's say you know that based on data, people tend to spend let's say an hour to hour and a half inside your store. And you know that if they spend, if they spend an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, they're going to spend X number of extra dollars uh, on purchases. And right? it's a person driving a model three, which costs 35, $40,000. <laughs> and they can look at it as a, as a, the person, well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's the person that's coming to use the charging station right now has money. So you want that well, person to come to your store because they have more disposable. Well, income. he's saying the longer but, it takes to be in there, the more money they're making. True. Well, well, that's that's part of it, right? And and as more EV models come out, more people will come and need to go to Target. We know that Target attracts a wide range of right. folks across the economic scale. But but the thing is, is that if I'm that retailer, I can say, okay, people are going to spend the maximum amount of money that they tend to spend within that hour and a half, two hour range. So I may make charging free for two hours, and then I'm going to implement a fee for every hour thereafter, because I know that if you're staying past two hours, you're probably squatting on my station or you're right. at the store next door or you're whatever. Chick-fil-A having some, some nuggets. That's right. Something. And a, work, a workplace, for example, may say, okay, from nine to six, my employees can charge for free and everyone else charges, you know, has to pay a fee per hour. Right. But after that time, then, you know, the, either the fee goes away and so on. So what you have today is you have a number of different public charging stations, at least for the level two perspective, that are 
that are free or some variation of near free. Because what, what, what you have is you have a lot of businesses that say, you know, the cost, you know, the average kilowatt hour cost in the United States, and that varies widely based on where you live, is about 13 cents, right? So I may charge you um, to recoup the electrical cost that you use to fill up your car, right? Um, maybe maybe that's, that is good enough for me to offset the cost, right? If I'm trying to attract your business, maybe I don't charge you. Right? Okay, so this, this maybe, begs the right. question of, this is what you're saying is you have, there's not that many, st in comparison of the other cars that are at Target, you have maybe five Teslas or maybe two or even one at any given time using these charging stations as kind of like the, the bait to come to Target and shop there, get a free charge, whatever the case may be. Could be. It yeah. seems a little bit like um, that will start to disappear at some point. And you, there's got to be some way for people to um, recoup the costs of this infrastructure, right? Whether it's public infrastructure yeah. or private infrastructure. And it's not going to be like this forever where it's this person charging this much. That's part of, we want it to be free here. It's going to cost more there. Eventually it's all going to cost money because there's going to be so many people driving these cars that it's not going to be like a, it might not be like a, it's free here for this type of thing. Unless you have, like you said, you have a rewards card or something like that. Right. At, right. But, but, at some point it's going to transition to just being, everybody has to pay for it. It can't be free forever. Well, but that's the thing, right? It's, it's, <clears throat> I, I actually think the charging gives, gives the, whoever's deploying the station, the flexibility to decide. And I think that's, that's the benefit. So, you know, even it, regardless of whether you're at a high economic demographic or, or otherwise, if you're, if you need to go to a place and, and shop, um, and you want to top up while you're there, then that may be the, the reason why you go to this gro grocery store A over grocery store B. Okay, so what you have just heard is uh, is half minutes, is thirty of minutes our of interview, our fifty minute interview with Daryl. With Daryl, and this it's is one hundred percent my fault. Yeah, because you're a fidgety I, weirdo. I cannot stand still, sit still, anything. Right now, I'm playing with my zipper as we're talking about it. <laughs> I think because I'm anxious now. Yeah. All right. So what happened is I literally kicked the power cord for our mixer. Yes. It, there is a uh, like, there's a power strip underneath the table, and he kicked it and turned the mixer off. <laughs> and so it was right after we hung up with Daryl. It was a great interview. It got much more in depth than what you heard, and then the file got corrupted. So what we're gonna do is we hope you enjoyed the, what, what we had. I still think it was very very yeah. And I wanna I wanna kind of tie that off with the conversation here. Yeah. But what I plan on doing is we're gonna we have get Daryl back. We're gonna on. wait another you know another year six months or so, and we'll have Daryl back and we'll have another conversation with him as things get, we'll have new questions, you know, in six months, a year from now for him. Yeah, absolutely. Because things are progressing that fast. So I still wanted to air that first part of the interview and conversation with Daryl, because I think it was super interesting. I'll give you my thoughts here in a minute. But first, let's talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk Car Care is your source of professional detailing compounds, supplies. It's research tested and actually developed by professional detailers themselves. These aren't like the guys in the lab, they got white coats on, you know, and they're the scientists and they got probably tape around the bridge of their nose on their yeah. glasses yeah. that don't know anything about actually polishing I've cars. I've never seen anybody with tape around their glasses. Oh, come on. Never. That's because you were the guy with the tape around your own glasses. No, I, I, I didn't, well, I didn't I wear glasses until I was out of high school. Really? Yeah, I was some, I'm like... Wow, I used to be able to see a little bit. Things better. aren't yeah. looking so clear. Yeah, what does that sign say? Yeah, but anyways, no, these are detailers themselves that have gone to the work and developed their own products. They truly are great products. 
you, I love that it's simple. It What we've got is the two-step process where you have your buffing pads that match the compounds they give you as well. So you can't screw it up by putting the wrong pad with the sure. wrong compound. It's all right there. And right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your order when you use the code OVERCREST. Discount code is good not only on OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Please go check those guys out today. All right, so Chris... What Daryl was saying is that the gas station model that we think of today will kind of interesting takeaway become less prevalent. Aside from along major like freeways, interstate freeways, yeah. where you will still need to charge when you're traveling long distance. But as ChargePoint has shown, the majority of EV drivers today are charging at home and work, and then they're able to top up mostly for free, as we learned. Here's the question: though. at different shopping where, where am I, where am I going to top up? I need beef jerky. I need Red Bull, I, or you need coffee. You need, there's, like I said, my wife goes to get milk at the, I think we're just, You're, so, I think we're going to have the, the rebirth of the convenience store. Yeah, is, or it's going to be, maybe you'll see like micro targets or something. Right. Where it's more of, like you say, a convenience store. Right. Where it's just, it's charging banks. Because here we have something called Casey's. Which sure. Which is kind of uh, like a little It is mini, a little mini, mini grocery store. Right, convenience store. Convenience store, but they're always gas stations. Yeah, every, everywhere has this. There's, uh, what do they have out? They have come and goes. They have, um, <laughs> <laughs> and they, I can't think of the other ones that are all out on the East Coast, but they have, you know, 7-Eleven is on the West Coast. Sure. You just go in, there's no gas there. It's just a 7-Eleven. That is strange. So I think you will see a lot more of that yep. around as things go on. But then you'll still have your charging points. And kind of like we said, it, it's going to be free or what ChargePoint has shown. It's I still basically don't think free. that's going to happen. I do. And here's why. It's it's basically these different shopping establishments where the cost of charging is built into these retail businesses model. It's part of the incentive. They build it into the pricing structure. This is how you get people to come in. Rather than having a billboard, you have charging stations. And I think it's- Wait, how's a how does that make any sense? How is a billboard a charging station? No, a billboard, you're, instead of paying for a billboard, it's advertising cost. It's right. marketing costs, right? Okay. So you're just thinking of your, your charging stations. Well, you're, th- you're talking about a visual marketing, marketing. cost versus a, an applicable marketing cost. It's still under marketing. That is still costs of marketing. You're still going to have to have the billboard to advertise the fact that you have the <laughs> the chargers. <laughs> All right, well, their budget just went up. Okay, well, yes. that's going to get reincorporated into the price yeah, of the goods that are sold. It is interesting because you have this entirely different business model that I think is going to come from this. And while you are still arguing that you can't always be this way, once every store, you made the point, every store offers free charging, why will they still do that? Because it's not an incentive now, one versus the other. Well, Daryl went on to say that it's actually going to become more prominent. So regardless, we're going to have like, it'll be almost a necessity to the point where, well, I'm not going to go to store X because I can't top off then. So what are the, when you go to Target on, a, on any given day, there's a lot of cars. 70, are you telling me that there's going to be 75 charging stations at these establishments? That's kind of what Daryl said. I, I cannot imagine each one of those. They will for sure have more. They need to be much cheaper for this to happen because they're like $15,000. Yeah. They are very expensive. I agree. So you're talking about 60 to 100, 100, maybe more than $100,000 worth of charging stations at every Target or every Walmart. Come on. Or every grocery store. That's... I mean, these are multi-million dollar businesses. I understand that, but how many Targets are in the metro area? 50? Yeah. So we're talking about 5 to $10 million? Drop in the bucket. I don't know. Well, it depends on if you only have if it's a one-time purchase. You know, we'll 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 see how things go. Yeah, but I think this will be more prevalent. You're just gonna see charging stations everywhere, every single retail shop. 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably true. So regardless, we're definitely going to get Daryl back on soon. He had a lot of great knowledge on how all of this charging would affect the actual power grid and the infrastructure that we weren't able to yeah, hear. Get, get into. <laughs> what did uh, I think Biden just said he was going to do? How many new charging stations? Oh my god, that link. Yeah, it was like two hundred thousand or something. Gonna just just going to pay for them. It's just. We're just going to, they're just going to rain from the sky. Well, no, you're just going to be I, standing I, there one day in a charging station. Just go, boom, it's just going to appear there. <laughs> and there were no goods or services exchanged. Nobody was, nobody was taxed for it. They're just going to magically um, appear. It's yeah, going to be great. I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yes, just, of course it will be tax dollars. This whole shift towards uh, carbon neutrals is people don't like we've kind of started doing it, but for, in terms of what people really want to do, yeah. it's so expensive. I mean, it's a massive amount of money. The, the economy really took a hit this year. I mean, they spent trillions and trillions of dollars on uh, emergency aid to businesses. Yeah, and stuff subsidies. Like that. The well is, I, I don't know how deep they think the well is with all this money that just comes from nowhere to pay for all this stuff. Well, but the, just, the rope for the bucket better be long. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, it's, it better be long. Okay. Again, you polarizing things. It's not. I didn't say it was a pick aside. I just said this is how it is. It's this money product. When you have anything, yeah. you have a widget. Someone has to make the widget. Someone right. has to go to the foundry. Someone has to deliver the steel for the widget, okay. or or the materials for the widget, the uh -huh. labor for the widget, the the guy that delivers it themselves, the, the guy that makes the machine that makes the widget, the guy that makes the parts that go in the machine that make the widget, uh -huh. the guy that makes the parts that. Go into the machine to make the parts to make the parts for the widget. All of these different things. All of this. It's so trying to figure out what widget you have in mind right now. I don't now. know. I'm just thinking of like a cog, right? I'm just thinking of just like a cog. Just like you and I are cogs in the machine. Uh -huh. So people can uh -huh. make widgets for people for free because everything's free. But everything's very, 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 very complicated when you think of a supply chain. Of course it is. So, so the costs are just like, wow. They're just so. <laughs> yeah. The cost to do this stuff is like in the like hundreds of billions of dollars sure. that, that like I don't pay for because I'm not right. a tax bracket to pay for it, but you're certainly going to. Yeah. And, be, and it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty wild. I mean, it's pretty wild. We'll see where things, we'll see where things go. All right. Well, in that vein, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Actually, that was a bad transition. Why is it in that vein? We are going to get taxed anyway, so you might as well give, give, our, us, some give us some of your money. <laughs> uh, honestly, it's, I, I, I think it's, a, it's a little different than taxation because we're not going to come on over to your house with a gun and take the money. Or is that how taxation Sign works, up for Chris? Patreon or you're going to go to Wait, jail. Have you ever had the IRS come to your door with guns? Here, imagine. Imagine. <laughs> okay. What happens if you don't pay your taxes? I have no idea. I always... go to jail. And how do they get you to go to jail? I guess the police come. The police come so... with guns and take you to jail. <laughs> so that's how it so works. Unless yes. Chris decides to go door to door asking for Patreon donations. Yes. It is a goodwill gesture and Support it shows. the creators that you love. If exactly. you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to 200 episodes of us. 250. Like, yeah, this is our 250. This is our 251st. Yeah, but the last week was a rerun, so it doesn't count. So okay, this is sure. actually our 250th episode. Support the show. It's five dollars. Five dollars. Yeah, and you, it, you get a lot of awesome exclusive content yeah. with that subscription. You get access to a lot of uh, products that come into our store. You I get have, first I have access. A new, I have a new product that's going into the store this weekend. T-shirts? T-shirts. A new shirt yeah. that I'm going to give access to the Patreon members first with a discount. Awesome. And there's not very many. 
there's like 50 of them. It's a really limited run. Patreons are going to have access cool to it shoot. first. You know what I'll do? I'm going to wait till this episode comes out, and then on Tuesday, I'll release them. So if anybody wants to sign up for the Patreon, you'll have access to the shirts. You'll get a discount. Everybody else, this probably is probably one of our coolest shirts we've done. It is a pretty rad shirt. It's I really, very, really like it. Very cool. All right, guys, that's it for us. We will see you on Friday. Take care. Thank you.